you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Explained is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Here we go. We've been waiting all season long for this. The biggest game of the year. It is the Super Bowl and that the subject of today's NFL Explained podcast. I'm not going to be talking about the game and the X's and O's. You can watch NFL Network for some of that stuff. We're all about the preparation, the two weeks leading up to it and all the little intricacies that you're not even familiar with. But I always introduce my guy, Michael Robinson, as a Super Bowl champ. Last week, I also included Pro Bowler into the mix as well. But M-Rob, Super Bowl 48, you got some good memories? I have great memories. <laughs> it involves all of my teammates, Rick Ross, New York City, and a lot of different fun things. Absolutely. Super Bowl champions. Give me the Rick Ross. You got a cool story around Rick Ross? Well, it's not super cool. It's almost one of those things that almost got me and my brother, who is one of my best friends in the whole world. He helped raise me. He's eight years older than me. It almost got us at odds. It almost had us fighting. Uh, they threw a Super Bowl party for us where Rick Ross was the guy in the club and I got in the club. But all I could think about was my brother who was stuck outside and it was raining because snow was getting ready to come the next morning. If anybody remembers that Super Bowl, a lot of travelers to that Super Bowl got stuck in the snow. But uh, yeah, Rick Ross putting on his show almost came between me and my brother. Yes. Okay, I remember that Super Bowl really well because I was living in the area at that time. I'm from the Northeast, so I remember a lot of this stuff. And just keep in mind, your brother, and I learned this in the last episode, helped you move in at Penn State, carried some of the boxes and the clothing. So there's a lot of love for your brother. Yes. We can't let anything bad get in between you guys, Rick Ross or not. <laughs> Sean Call, Pollock Commons, baby, let's go. Yes, <laughs> Penn State. All right, let's start with New York City, because as most people realize, like the Super Bowl is not in the same venue every single year. Yours happened to be a place where I call home, so I'm a little biased here, but we know just facts. 
it's the number one media market. Did that change anything for you and your team, just knowing it was the Big Apple? A little bit. You know, it, it put a little bit of perspective on the game. Obviously, we were going up against Peyton Manning, and we know they had broke every offensive record that there was in the National Football League that year. And so we knew that with the game being in New York, there was going to be a lot more added attention, not only because it's the Super Bowl, but it's because it's in New York City and it was featuring a guy like Peyton Manning, who some considered on the back end of his career, who had just had a record-setting season. So we were like, I ain't going to lie, man, like we were using the words like goons in our locker room. We wanted to be like the doomsday. Like we wanted to kind of like rain on Peyton Manning's parade and kind of own uh, New York City. We were calling it Gotham and it was going to be Gotham because the big bad boys from the Pacific Northwest was in town. You guys were the big <laughs> bad boys from the Pacific Northwest with a, a Super Bowl whim. You know, we've done other episodes, M-Rob, where we go through the week for a coach, the week for a player, the preparation, like all the things that you don't, know about unless you experience and that's where your expertise comes into play super bowl week not everyone is in that fraternity of being able to play in that type of game what's that schedule like because the short week we know can be a little frustrating the late games can be frustrating sometimes for players who just want to get out there and play all of a sudden we got two weeks to think about the biggest game of your entire life well yams i'm not gonna lie like the minute we won the NFC Championship game, we beat the San Francisco 49ers. And for anybody who remembers that year, it was that great tip play from Richard Sherman. Mm -hmm. Malcolm Smith ended up intercepting the football. And from the moment we got into the locker room and we celebrated, hey, yeah, we're hype, we're going to the Super Bowl. And I remember Pete saying, okay, guys, we got two weeks before this game. We're going to have a team meeting early tomorrow morning. And we're going to literally give you guys help on how to structure your week, how to structure the week here, how to structure the week in New York City, because it's unlike any other game week. Oftentimes, and Yams, you know, this football industry is a small fraternity, man. And during normal NFL weeks, right, all your homies, all your guys, they're playing, too. You know, they have games that they're preparing for. And, yeah, they don't necess they're not necessarily available all the time. You text this, that, and the third. And you share some notes or whatever. But when it's the Super Bowl, there's no other NFL game going on. Everybody you text, everybody in the National Football League you text, oftentimes they're sitting at home watching or getting ready for the game, <laughs> getting ready to watch you play. And so it's, it, it's, it's a very unique thing. And I remember that Monday we came into the team meeting and Pete, like literally he put together a slide presentation and he told us we're going to attack this week, this, 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 this week before we go to New York, like it's a normal game week. And so he said, when we step on the, on the bus to get on the plane to go to New York city next Saturday, the game plan is going to be tight. We're going to be ready to play a game the next day. Now the trick wow. is taking all of that nervous energy and, um, <laughs> and kind of bottling it up and not kind of overexerting yourself in that short week going forward. So that week when we were in Seattle, it was a normal week. We met on Monday. We went over the NFC Championship game. We went over all of our mistakes. Tuesday was the normal player day off. And it's funny, Yams, that that uh, usually Tuesdays, me and Beast Mode, we always had a, a film session, whether it was at my house, at the team meeting room or whatever, just him and I, because as a fullback, I was his eyes. I had to know what he was thinking so I knew what cut he would make when he got to the hole right after I got to the hole. So, you know what I mean? We had to watch tape together. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, that Tuesday before we left, uh, when we were still in Seattle, 
I remember us watching, we watched one quarter of the Denver Broncos defense and Beast Mode stood up and was like, dude, what are we doing? And I said, I know, bro. I said, I think we're going to beat the hell out of this group. Like, I don't think it's going to be close. And he said, bro, like, why have Super Bowls got to be close? And I remember we walked out of that meeting when we went down to the coaches' offices and we like, Pete, bro, like, this game doesn't have to be close. You know that, right? And I guess Pete liked it because the next day, you know what I mean, at Wednesday when we came into practice, that was kind of the motto. This game ain't got to be close, guys. Just because we're playing Peyton Manning, just because it's in New York City doesn't mean that the game has to be close. So we went on with our base personnel stuff on Wednesday, our nickel personnel and our third down sub package and our goal line packages on Thursday. We had the final speed practice on Friday with a walkthrough before we got on the plane to go over to New York City. And Pete told us when we got on the plane. Now... It's all about managing your emotions. Now it's all about going, like, guys, we don't know if we're going to ever go back to a Super Bowl. And it's crazy, Yams, like, oftentimes you hear leaders say, hey, you know, no distractions. You know, like, stay focused. Pete said, no, man, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to a Super Bowl. Enjoy it. Have as much fun as possible, man. Yeah, we're going to have curfew and stuff for you guys, but when you're out, enjoy it. Because the hay is in the barn. The X's and O standpoint, you guys have already won the game on paper. You have has already run the game from an X's and O standpoint. You just got to make sure that your mind is right, your energy is right, and that you're happy going into the game. And Yams, 43 to 8, I think that was a score. Yeah, we was right going into that game. So from the sort of fascinating to me, how much do you think there's like that college experience that Pete had about having fun. Like something tells me from the people that I've talked to that have played for him, including you, just sort of this idea of competition and fun and making it a fun atmosphere. You know, some guys might flip that switch when it's a huge game. And I think it's important to be sort of consistent there. But how much of the routine was the same, whether it's how you watch film, the amount of time you watch film, the types of practices you had, compared those two weeks versus what you were doing previously that season? Well, the crazy part, Yams, like I said, that week, again, it's two weeks after the NFC Championship game or after the championship games before the Super Bowl. And that first week we were at home in Seattle. Again, that was a normal week. But that was also a week when you're outside of the facility. That's also the week that you're handling tickets, you're handling travel for your family. You're thinking about, okay, who's going to actually come to this game? If I win, who am I going to have on the field? You only get two or three passes for family to be on the field after the game. You got to think about all of this stuff while the game plan is going in. And the, 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 the crazy part about the Pete thing that, you know, you were just talking about Pete and how he makes it fun coming into work and stuff like that. Uh, it was one day we were at practice and Pete likes to play music at practice. Pete likes to make practice a big thing. Pete may have Will Ferrell come by practice. He may have Snoop come by practice. He had Bill Russell come by practice in the uh, wild card round that year that we won our Super Bowl. I mean, he'll have celebrities. He'll have people at practice to hit, to see you watch because his whole philosophy was if people are watching you, if there's a superstar watching you, you're going to be the best version of yourself because you don't want to look stupid. You don't want to look bad, right? And so I remember he always would say this to us. Every practice is a championship rep. Every practice is a championship practice. That way, when you're truly in the championship moments, it'll just be second nature to you. And Yams, I I know people say things just to go along with the conversation. But man, I'm telling you, man, I'm being real with you. That Super Bowl, it was almost surreal because of how normal it felt. It felt like a game 
when we got to playing. You know what I'm saying? And um, it, I just wasn't anticipating that feeling. I was kind of anticipating hype. But, you know, I, you know, obviously you get excited at the beginning of the kickoff, but um, I just was anticipating a lot. And I attribute that to Pete Carroll always keeping us in the mindset of always having a championship mindset and being ready for those championship moments. So what's really fascinating about this is when Pete was at USC, I had heard this story before, and you're going to go like, yeah, of course, because it's kind of what you just said. Curtis Conway and I worked together. Curtis is former wide receiver, obviously, um, you know, played whatever it was, 11, 12 years in the league. Seaway mm-hmm. went to USC, and Curtis told me he would go to practice when Reggie Bush, Winliner, and those guys were there. Pete would make it a point to have all those dudes come back and the Will Ferrells of the world and like kind of yep. lean into that L.A. vibe. And Curtis told me, he, had to, he goes, man, I've been playing football my whole life. I had never seen this before. He goes, Reggie would come out of a rep, right, off a practice field, be dancing on the sideline, like having fun, like just literally not like kind of paying attention to the game or what was happening in practice, but really just having fun with his boys on the sideline. Then they'd go, OK, you're in. He'd go in and it's like this the switch that gets flipped where you're expected to be so invested in that moment. And I'm just connecting the dots here because you said, mm-hmm. if you're playing in front of dudes like Will Ferrell, like not for nothing, like I get it, it's not a football guy, but like, you don't want to look bad. Like you're going to go out there and ball out. So I think there's something to like the psychological aspect of all this that you're making reference to, which then leads me to this. There's this old adage of, Hey, do you, how, how helpful is it because it's not your first Super Bowl. If you got other dudes who've played in this game, it sounds like for your Seahawks in particular, maybe it didn't matter as much, or am I reading too much into it? It didn't matter at all. And I think it would have mattered if we had a different type of coach. If we had a different type of coach who coached different in these elevated games, who did some different things in these elevated situations. Pete was consistent. He was constant. We practiced every single facet of that game, Yams. We practiced halftime. We spent a whole two hours in our facility in Seattle training and practicing the halftime, which is double the amount of halftime as in normal games. And so, yeah, when we got on that plane to go to New York, man, we knew we were going to win that game. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having M-Rob, a little Rihanna going on um, as you're practicing some of that halftime stuff. I know I'm excited for that. You mentioned the fact that Halftime's extended here. Like, take yes. me through. Like, you're practicing halftime. You know it's longer. Can you hear the music? Do you want to not listen to Coach? you rather just go watch the concert that's happening? I mean, first of all, a normal NFL halftime is approximately 15 minutes, right? The Super Bowl halftime is approximately 30 minutes. So usually when you go into a normal NFL game, right, the coaches are kind of getting their selves together, right? You got the training staff and the equipment staff and all of those guys kind of handing out fruit and drinks and, and things like that. You're getting your equipment stuff dealt with. You're getting your jerseys fixed and stuff like that. That's like the first five minutes, right? Then the coaches come in. Then the coaches are telling you all your adjustments and things like that. And then like the last two minutes, Everybody kind of gets together. The coach says something, man. We go out to go take on the second half. In the Super Bowl, it, it's so long. Like, I had an opportunity to take a shower. I changed my pads. I changed wow. everything. You just have that time. And so we broke it down. It was 30 minutes. We broke it down into three 10-minute segments. The first 10 minutes was us getting ourselves together. You know what I'm saying? If you wanted to go shower, if you wanted to eat, whatever, whatever. Then the next 10 minutes was our coaches that came back in, we made adjustments. And now you got 10 minutes, so you can actually, I mean, we got on the whiteboard. I mean, it felt like meetings, you know what I'm saying? And then the last 10 minutes, 
we cranked the music up. We got our equipment, you got our trainers going, and we started warming up like it was the beginning of the game in Yams. I'm telling you, there's a lot. Our minds are some powerful things. Our brains are very powerful because when I went back out for the second half, I kept on having to look at the scoreboard because I wasn't sure whether this was the first half or second half because it felt like the beginning of the game all over again. It did not feel like we played the first half. And so the second half kickoff happens, and they're trying to kick it away from Percy. And it bounces and it and he scores like it was nothing because we had the beginning of the game energy. They had second half energy. And to me, I mean, that energy changed everything, man. And um, you mentioned, can we hear the bass and stuff in the locker room? Absolutely. But we had cranked our music so much and we had had our locker room so much, kind of like what people have seen throughout this past year with the San Francisco 49ers. We were kind of in that mold where we were just cranking the music up and it was all about getting us right. Because if we were right, it didn't matter what was going on on the other side of the field. I'm going to make an old school reference that I know you'll appreciate. The old UCLA legend basketball coach, John Wooden, he used to Mm -hmm. teach his guys how to tie their shoes properly, right? Like little things like that which seem ridiculous. And I still don't really know the premise behind why you would do that. You know, do you double knot it? You just don't want it to, you know, the shoelaces to get untied during the game, whatever the reason. But the point is, it's all about the details. It is. When Pete says we're going to practice halftime, do you say, what the, what? Or are you like, oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. Well, for me, you already know, I think a little bit differently. I've always wanted to kind of lead, be coaching, general manager, that type of deal. So when when I first heard, that we were literally having an entire two-hour period or hour and a half devoted to the halftime. My first reaction was, please, for real, Pete, I got some better things to do this morning. I got my kids. I got to pick my kid up. You know, I, I, got a lot of stuff. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff going on. And then as I thought about it and that always compete thing that goes on that Pete always talks about, I'm thinking, oh, man, Pete Carroll is competing right now. He's saying we're not going to lose any aspect of this game. We're going to win the week before. We're going to win the week leading up. We're going to win on the football field. We're going to win special teams. We're going to win the halftime. We're going to win the press conferences. We're going to win it all. And once I really thought about it, yeah, I I knew why we were practicing it because we were going in to beat the hell out of a really good team. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should 
start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the NFL Explained podcast. Mike Am and Rob with you. Um, I do think it's important to sort of set up a little bit of the media history around the Super Bowl. I mean, look, the fans want to get to the game. The players obviously want to play in this game, but it really is this, I don't want to say party-like atmosphere because I think that's not the best way to describe it, but it's a little bit of chaos. It's like a circus, right? Media mm-hmm. Day has been around since actually the very first Super Bowl. You got reporters going to players' hotels, asking questions, maybe even having dinner back in the day. 1984, Media Day actually started being held on the field at the stadium the Super Bowl was being held at, which is kind of a cool, different cool. spin to all of this stuff. In fact, it happens a lot of times on the college side for the college football playoff stuff. I was actually covering a game a couple years ago when Washington was playing Alabama down in Atlanta, and we did the Media Day on the field. So it's kind of a cool piece to this puzzle. 2014, Media Day was moved away from the game stadium to a nearby indoor stadium, which opened up the the event for fans. You got media members, they're on the floor. You can do some cool things around that. For the first year, it was held at the Prudential Center in Newark instead of MetLife Stadium. For those who aren't aware of the geography of New Jersey, it's not that (laughs) far. Uh, Since then, aside actually from those COVID years, it's been held at a basketball or inside a baseball arena in the Super Bowl city. 2016, Super Bowl 50, NFL moved Media Day from Tuesday to primetime, a Monday event, Monday night event here. And Rob, this actually opened it up for Super Bowl week, and it really put it in a better time slot for TV coverage. Media Day right now, broadcast by ESPN and, of course, NFL Network, uh, and it's watched (laughs) by over 700,000 people on TV every single year. That's just like the Media Day stuff. And Rob, check this out. For Super Bowl one, the NFL credentialed about 1,000 media members to cover the game. Nowadays, it's over 5,000 media members. By the way, off air, you and I went back and forth on this with our team. Like, I almost don't even believe the thousands <laughs> Super Bowl one. But our research team no. says it's true, so it's got to be. Well, you got to think about it, man. I mean, Super Bowl one, the first time the AFL and NFL, those guys all came together. World Championship. I mean, I, I guess I can think about 1,000 media members being there. A lot of newspapers. Yeah, well, no, my rebuttal Well, my rebuttal to that when we had this conversation off air was like, dude, there was like two or three TV networks. Um, <laughs> we always know about, and I said circus because I do think about the crazy questions you guys are asked. Anything that oh, stands man. out to you? Oh, man. Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a fullback, right? And so people look at fullbacks as pretty serious or whatever. I got personality, but they looked at us as pretty serious. So I didn't get any super crazy questions i think i gotta ask do i believe unicorns are real um are they like stuff like that i i I don't know i've never seen one so it's not real to me you know what i'm saying i'm not saying it's not biologically real but it's not real to me (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you remember, and I'm sure you guys talked about it inside the locker room, but when Marshawn said, I'm just here so I don't get fined? Yeah, so Yams, you got to understand, right? My homie, Beast Mode, that's my dog, man. That's one of my good friends, one of my best friends in the whole world, man. My brother from another mother. Um, so when he did the, I don't, you know, um, I'm just here so I don't get fined thing, that was the year after I retired. That was after we won the Super Bowl. That was the next year when they went back. But the crazy part about that media day was, Everybody involved, the NFL PA, the NFL, you know, Beast Mode, Seahawks, everybody was like, dude, what is Beast Mode going to do during media day? Like, he during the playoffs, he runs out of the locker room, you know what I'm saying? So he doesn't have to always get asked. So this is a, a, a set media time. What is going to happen? And I remember having some calls the night before media day with the PA, with the NFL, Beast Mode. We all calling back and forth. And um, Beast Mode was like, bruh, I'll be there. But, um... I don't know what you want me to say. Don't nothing in my contract say I got to answer these questions coherently or anything. And then, you know, we got off the phone and me, him and I were just on the phone, you know, just kind of chopping it up as homeboys. And I'm like, bro, you just need to have a saying or something. And it came out, you know, I'm just here so I don't get fined. And it, it he went on to, you know, make some money off of just that saying. And, and it wasn't that Beast Mode didn't want to do media because I, for all, for everybody listening, I was with him that Super Bowl. I got in his own personal Sprinter van that Super Bowl and I rode around with him after that media day. He did about 25 to 30 individual interviews, like sat down with networks and everything. It wasn't that he didn't want to do it. He just wanted to do it on his terms. And that's what made Beast Mode special. So, yeah, man, that was a that was one of those things. And then the year before we had Media Day just at a hotel and we were at the table, myself, Beast Mode and Robert Turbin. And they were talking to the backs and they they kept on asking Beast Mode stuff. Right. Yams. And I was sitting to his left and I start seeing his left leg shake. Because it was, they were asking questions and he was like, man, you know, he was answering them, but they kept asking the same question and I could tell he was getting frustrated, right? And he started shaking his leg and I'm like, oh my goodness, he's going to flip the table. Like in my head, I'm thinking he's going to flip the table and this is not going to be good for us as our first Super Bowl. We got, we, we, you know, so I just say, hey guys, you know, and I kind of took over the interview, you know, went there to help my boy out. We ended up having a big laugh about it and all of that, man. But uh, yeah, the things we do for our teammates on media day, that's what we do. We stick together, Yams. Did he tell you after, like when you were done, that he was going to flip the table? No, he didn't. But he did say he was getting frustrated. He said, bro, you know, I'm going to talk like beast mode. You know, I'm not going to curse, but I'm going to talk like beast mode. Blood, blood. Thank you, blood. Like me for real, bro. Man, they had me messed up, bro. He used some other words. But yeah, that was beast mode at the time. He was happy I was there for him. <laughs> I know you. You're thinking, all right, how do I diffuse this? Is it where, where's the closest bag of Skittles that I can go and yeah. find and just try to make this this OK? Um, you know, one of the other interesting elements about this two weeks for the Super Bowl, and it popped up this year during the season because of what happened with DeMar Hamlin. We weren't sure how the NFL was going to respond logistically with the games. And I think it all worked out great from a league perspective, but there was this idea of floating the season an extra week, which would have cut out a two-week window between the AFC and NFC Championship game and then the Super Bowl week. Generally, it's always been two weeks, but there's been seven times when there's only been one week of a break in between those two moments. The last time it happened, not too long ago, actually, I say that because I graduated in 2003, but the reality is it's like almost 20 <laughs> years ago at this point, but uh, Raiders, Bucks, and that Super Bowl, trust me, I still feel young depending on the day. Um, snap, crackle, pop when I get out of bed every single morning on those joints. But the point is, 
there, there are some benefits of having that two-week span for guys to get healthy. The rest is really important. And there's some instances that come to mind, notable players getting healthy because of that extra week. T.O. with the Eagles in Super Bowl 39 played seven weeks after suffering a broken leg and a torn ligament in his right ankle. Nine catchers, a buck 22. That's pretty damn good. And he didn't start running until two weeks before the Super Bowl. Uh, my guy, Plexigo Burris, I say my guy because I'm a Giants fan, Super Bowl 42, there was a little bit of an issue, suffered a, a sprained medial collateral ligament in his left knee. Thank you, research, once again. I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what that injury was. He, um, um, how, do I, how do I put this? Um, he <laughs> had a fall out of the hotel shower just a couple days before the Super Bowl. I mean, it happens. It's slippery. You got to get yeah. one of those mats, man. You know, the, like the suction cup deal. Do they still do that, by the way? Is that still a thing? Yeah. Like you got to be a senior citizen to get one of those, right? <laughs> yeah. I think you, you got to be a little older for that, Yams. Come on, yeah. man. We're not well, there yet. But I, I'm telling you right now, that year, Plexico wish he had one of those. So I'm just saying. Joy uh, Freeney, Super Bowl 44, torn ligament in his ankle in the AFC Championship game. Kind of crazy still. He was able to play one of our colleagues, our good bud, Thomas Davis, Super Bowl 50. Broken forearm in the NFC Championship That's game. That's crazy. Got surgery the next morning. Two weeks, by the way, good enough to get healed up to play in the game. We got to bring that up to him, man. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, I am. Because I'm going to say, dude. You're crazy. I love you. I think that's awesome. But you're crazy. How do you do? I mean, I don't understand how you even get your body ready for something like the trauma it goes through on a yeah. surgery. Then the trauma that it goes through playing football. That's a tough one. That's some Iron Man stuff right there, man. Okay, so there's a couple college coaches that I can think of, and they'll tell you they hate playing later on the day on a Saturday because they just want to play as early as possible, get the game yep. out of the way. I use that analogy, and because I, I think it's fair in the NFL. Do you do you wish, is would it be better from a player's perspective to have it one week after the championship game so it's a normal cadence, or do you like the two weeks? All right, so my NFL players might not like me for this, but I'm going to say I like the two weeks, man. Oh. I do. Maybe because I played a physical position, and so anytime my body can go through a full week of really not hitting and fully feel good before the next game, that's always a positive. But it's interesting. You mentioned college coaches, and it triggers something in my mind that I remember when I played for Penn State. Joe Paterno always used the weeks leading up to the bowl to get the younger players extra reps that maybe were yeah. red shirt and that maybe didn't get the reps during the regular season. And I look at when we won our Super Bowl after the 2013 season, I mean, it was tough defense, which that showed up in that Super Bowl. I mean, the Denver Broncos, the highest scoring offense of all time. I mean, you know, broke all offensive records that year, only scored eight points. Um, and we were led by Beast Mode, our running game, right? You look in the Super Bowl, Beast Mode had 15 carries for 39 yards for a 2.6 average. He was really not that effective in the Super Bowl. We used that extra week for Russell Wilson to develop. Russell Wilson saw so many different looks during that week in Seattle going up against that, you know, one of our top-ranked defenses that it got him better. And I believe that Super Bowl was Russell Wilson along with Doug Baldwin, along with um, Jermaine Curse. I call him Chop Chop, but along with Jermaine Curse. To me, that was the Seattle's passing game coming out party, so to speak. Because, again, we ran the ball, played tough defense, to get us to the Super Bowl, but I believe Russell and his right arm in that defense won the game for us. Now, again, Beast Mode was in the backfield, 15 carries. Every time he played action fake, the defense had to respect it. But at the end of the day, I think that extra week helped the development 
of Russell Wilson. All right, Rob, we're just scratching the surface of the Super Bowl conversation coming up. Let's go here. The advice. You've done it. You've played. You know what it takes to win this game. What's the advice that M-Rob would give to some of the players playing this weekend? That's coming up next on the NFL Explained Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the NFL Explained Podcast. Mike M. and Rob with you. All right, I'm going to throw another pass your way, and I want to get your take mm-hmm. on it. Some people will tell you momentum is a thing. As an athlete, others say there's no such thing. I think when it comes to football, it's a little different. Maybe there's something to it in basketball because of the repetitive nature. Maybe there's something to it in baseball because of the frequency of games when you're out mm-hmm. there. NFL football is obviously not like that. There's days in between. There's the physical nature, how demanding it is when you're out there. If you're hot, right? You run through the playoffs. You Maybe it's a bunch of road games. Like, you feel invincible. Does that, does the two weeks, does that kill momentum? No, I, and, and, I, and I get what you're saying. There is something to that. Teams playing well going into the playoffs, yeah. right? Do you really want that number one seed to get the bye to kind of stop the train from rolling this, that, and the third or what? I'll answer that question by saying this. I don't care how much we change the rules to our game. I don't care how much we talk about player safety. This game will always be about pain and pain management. Mm. Can you dish it? And how much can you take? And because this game is such a physical sport, two weeks off will always be better than just, in my opinion, will always be better than just playing uh, straight through it. Because again, I'm not a basketball player or baseball player, and I'm not saying that those guys don't get sore. But after a football game, 
oh man, like sometimes I don't feel good to play the next game. Guess what, Yams? Until Sunday morning of the next week. Think about what I'm saying right now. I'm not fully over the previous game and feel really good about myself and how my body's feeling until the morning of the next game. How do you get through practice? How do you get through the week feeling? You see what I'm saying? So it's a lot of different factors to that. So I will always vote for two weeks, just like uh, going into the playoffs. I always tell teams, you want the number one seed. I don't care how good you play. You want that extra week of rest. Okay, one of the other major, major, major topics when it comes to the Super Bowl, it's not a player's thing, although it is in some regard, and I'll make it a player's Mm -hmm. thing here. It's a fan thing. It's a thing inside NFL Network HQ, okay? Getting a Super Bowl ticket, like that is a real conversation. I can't tell you, last year was my first year here in Southern California in the LA studios. People were talking about it. How do I get a ticket? How do I get to this game? Each player, by the way, only, only gets two free Super Bowl tickets. Then they got to pay face value if you even get the opportunity to get more tickets. So players in the Broncos versus Panthers Super Bowl in 2016, for example, allowed to get up to 15 tickets, but Mm. any ticket on top of the two free ones, yo, check this out, 1,800 bucks a piece. That's, That's no joke. Top players on the roster don't usually have an issue affording some of that stuff. Man, you're making league minimum, and I know that's like still sizable. $1,800 a pop, though, that's still meaningful. The Panthers, by the way, only gave players 24 hours to put those requests in, which obviously is a little chaotic. Um, just take me through that from your perspective, because I don't even know how many tickets you needed to get. And maybe for you, you already have the life rule, which you told us in our Pro Bowl conversation in our last episode. If you help me move in to Penn State, then you're like, you're good. If you didn't, you're on the outside looking in. So maybe that's streamlined the process for you. Yeah, you already know I already have a, a kind of way of how I figure out who gets the special privileges um, kind of in my, in my entourage. If you help me move into Sean Carl Pollock Commons freshman year, Penn State, you get an opportunity to come roll with me in my special events, man. Um, but at the end of the day, man, like, <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. The, 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 the ticket situation, Yams, and I'm going to be real with you. There's still family members to this day that I don't talk to because of that. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? I'm serious. I have cousins who think that I wronged them because I didn't buy them a Super Bowl ticket. And we still have issues to this day. So I want our listeners to understand that is how big these tickets are to families. That's how big these tickets are to these players. But again, I made a rule for myself. I told myself, when I leave to go to New York, my ticket situation will be straight, okay? And I'm only paying for five of them. My mom, my stepfather, my wife, my cousin Biz, God rest his soul, and my brother. Them the only five that got their tickets comped, so to speak. I did for the next part of my family. I said, hey, guys, I got 10 tickets I can buy, okay? This is how much they cost. Tell me how many you guys want. And I'll send you the invoice for you to pay for it. I got cussed out, man. I got people cursing me out, sending me texts. But man, who you think you are? We, I changed your diaper. I helped do this. I helped do Yeah, man. So uh, I say all that to say, man, it's a lot that goes into when you see, you know, yeah. families going onto the field after the Super Bowl. There's a lot that goes into the people that are picked to be on that field. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> you set us all straight here, which leads me to maybe the most important question. What's the advice that you're giving to players, not just in this year's Super Bowl, just in general? Like if you're going to talk to a kid that's going to be playing in their first game or something that you just learned, what do you tell them about that your experience that you think might help them? Um, man, that's a good question, Yams. I remember uh, before our Super Bowl, I spoke to Ray Lewis, a good friend, man. And um, him and I have had a lot of battles in the B gap on the football field. Let's just let's just get that straight. Um, he said, Imrod, the team that can make this a game first and not a spectacle will win. And I didn't really understand it when he first said it to me. And then I went back to my hotel room and kind of thought about it and kind of was like, yeah, man, what does he mean? And he's really saying, am I psyching myself up to make this game bigger than what it is? There's still going to be 22 guys on the field at the same time. We're still going to go base, nickel. We're still going to have kickoff. We're still going to have punt. We're still going to have every aspect of this game that you've been doing since you were six years old. And it hit me like, oh, then all the dots connected. Oh, this is what kind of what Pete's talking about, right? You know, mm -hmm. if you make everything a championship opportunity, a championship moment, when you get in these championship moments, it'll feel normal. And literally after the first kickoff and then we got the safety, everything calmed down. It was like, well, we knew this game wouldn't be close. And now we're just about to show the rest of the world what we already knew, that we were going to be Super Bowl champions. And you were. Hat tip. Here we go. <laughs> Let's go. I, I honestly, I can't wait for the game coming up this week. Like, it is going to be truly awesome to see these two squads going head to head. I mean, these are, look, there's a reason why we're playing in this game. I mean, the path for these squads to get here, it, it really is pretty awesome. Um, Emrod, awesome to have you kind of relive some of those moments that you had during your Super Bowl time. Hopefully, as people watch the game this week, they have a different perspective on what it takes to actually get here, but all of the preparation over the last two weeks for both of these teams the, the staffs, the coaching staffs, the, the player personnel people. It's going to be awesome. Hope everyone enjoys the game. Hope everyone enjoyed this episode of NFL Explained. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. 
Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.